Welcome to This Week in Craft Beer, the podcast, the weekly show where we interview the people making the magic happen in the UK craft beer scene, sponsored by Them That Can, the premier mobile canning service in the UK. Commencing as soon as we can travel again, we'll be offering meticulously curated craft beer experiences to the world's most exciting craft beer destinations, in partnership with some of the UK's leading craft breweries. Please visit our website for more details at thisweekincraft.beer. This Week in Craft Beer would like to thank our generous Patreon supporters, John Stevens, Angela Peterson, Nick Flynn, Jamie Ramsey, Sue Johnson, Steve Hartley, Jazz Hundell, Phantom Brewing Company, Dolphin Brewery, Becky Bentley-White, Alex Possels, Berkshire Beer Box, Ryan Charlton, and the Paper Mill Micropub. I'm delighted to welcome to the podcast, Donica Burke. Don has crammed a wealth of experiences, both good and bad, into his past decade in and around the craft beer scene as he moved from head brewer roles at Dig Brew, at the ill-fated Evolution Beer Co., and more recently at Tap It. Don has built himself a reputation as one of the most talented craft brewers in the UK. This has culminated in the launch of his own commercial brewing project, Crop Beer, in June 2021. At Crop Beer, Don doesn't plan to brew by the rules, but rather bend them to the limit and make new ones that suit him. Don, please introduce yourself. Tell us about your beer journey, which led you to launching Crop Beer. Hi, my name is Donica Burke. So I come from a small town in West Cork in Ireland called Skibbery. I started on my beer journey when I lived in Germany. So I lived in Germany for three years in Frankfurt. Yep. And whilst there, I was managing an Irish bar, as you do as an Irish person. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And craft beer was just starting to eke into Germany, like, Germany's very traditional, kind yeah, of set in their ways. It really with is, the, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, with, with the Rheinheitsgebot and uh-huh. like a lot of traditionalists don't really associate hoppy IPAs as beer. They no. see beer as no. Pilsner and Weizen. That's their two beers. But it was quite refreshing. When I was in Frankfurt, a, a new brewery set up called Braustel. Uh-huh. So uh, this brewery set up in an old petrol station. Huh. So they still had the forecourt and you, you, you had a load of decking out in the forecourt where you could sit and enjoy your beers and you could watch through a window and see the the brewers nice. going away mm-hmm. really cool place so i just started i was close to my house so i just started right. frequenting there and being really quizzical with the bird like asking right. questions just taste, tasting his beers and I ne- i'd never really since i was 18 i, I drank different lagers yeah i was like ooh, beer ready <laughs> <laughs> i was uh, just drinking different lagers and, and not really venturing out of that no and i might pick up like the early craft beer in Ireland would have been eight degrees. Right. I don't know if you know. Yeah, I heard the brand. Yeah, yeah. So I used to pick up eight degrees in my local Super Value, mm-hmm. and I, I used to drink it and go, "This is really tasty." But I never really looked into what like IPA was or what pale ale was. No. But being actually in a brewery and being quizzical about the different processes, I got more involved, and I did a lot more research online as well. And from that point, that would have been 2013. Right. Um, yep. So I was kind of like, I want to get into this industry. I want, I want to know more about this industry and yeah. bec- become part of it. You get bitten by the bug, yeah. 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 <laughs> and then, so fast forward 2015, I, I moved to Birmingham, mm-hmm. and I was uh, working in an Italian restaurant in Birmingham, mm-hmm. and I started going to this craft beer bar called Chelsea, right? And it was a homebrew club, and I, okay. I just sat in one evening at the homebrew club. I got even more, like, I, I was picking up knowledge all the way, yeah, all the yeah. way along. <laughs> and just, like, earwigging, basically. Yeah. And I've been going to this homebrew club for about three months, and one of the guys said, are you going to brew a beer? Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so, so I've just been tasting their beers and just yeah, like, yeah. giving them feedback. Who is this guy? <laughs> um, yeah, basically. And I asked one of the members, I don't have any kit. Hmm. Can I gypsy brew a homebrew on your kit? <laughs> Love it. <laughs> So this guy was like, yeah, okay. So I, from the years of like just researching stuff online, mm. I compiled a recipe, brewed it at his house, bottled it, and then I, I brought it into work. And we would have meetings before the shift and right. like go through specials or whatever. Mm-hmm. And we all tasted samples. Okay. And then I, I had people come into me going, can you sell this? Mm. Well, I, I can't really sell it legally. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm um, back to my, my then wife, my mm now mm. ex-wife and it's like i want to get a homebrew kit mm. and she's like okay you can get a homebrew kit so i started tinkering around with my own recipes 
growing away in my back garden. Mm. And then I tweeted at a brewer that's now with Lopian. Okay, uh, he, yeah. He used to be a brewer at Twisted Barrel. Right, yeah, in Coventry, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, oh, can you try this beer and give me some feedback? Mm-hmm. And he tweeted about it saying it was really good. And that was the first beer that I'd ever, like, that was the first batch that I gypsy brewed. Right. Um, nice. And then I, get, I gave it to another brewer called Sacker Brew. Mm-hmm. And eventually that led to me doing a collab with Sacker Brew. Okay, nice. Um, that was the first commercially released beer that I did. And uh, my ex-wife de- developed a brand called Air Shul. Yeah, means... which I really like, actually. Yeah, which, which means in, in progress, right? In, in yeah. Gaelic? Or, yeah, yeah nice. in, in progress. Yeah. So I, I brewed that there, and then that led to another collab. Mm. And I went to a beer festival in Moseley in Birmingham mm. with another beer that I brewed in Birmingham Brewing Company. Right. On their pilot kit. Nice. And I was trying to look into how to get it. I kept applying for brewing jobs. <laughs> kept trying to get... I only started homebrewing to get into the brewing industry. Right. Like, yeah. I didn't start homebrewing to make beer to put in my fridge. Okay. I got the interest in Germany and then I was like, I had this idea that I wanted to get into the industry. Yeah. How so, am I going to, you know, you've got to plot yeah. your path, haven't you? Basically, it's not easy. Uh, yeah. Basically. And then one night I was, I think it was October 2017. Mm-hmm. I heard a new brewery was opening in Birmingham called Zig Bruco. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I went down there with a mess. The, like, actually the guy the guy that owns Celt right um, and I was uh, tasted the beer that this beer isn't very good <laughs> <laughs> I asked who, who owns this place and the, the owner came over uh, Ollie he, he, he must have been like 22 at the time um, <laughs> and he was like I own it I was like your equipment's amazing but but your, your beer ain't that good uh, <laughs> and he, he literally said you want to go see if you can do better. Nice. And I did. Yeah. And it, that was an Arshield collab. <clears throat> and from that brew, which was called, have you seen Tom's Snapchat? Uh, I'll come back to that. <laughs> from that brew, uh, yeah. he offered me a job. Nice. I became a brewer there <clears throat> November, November, December 2017. Right. And then basically I had a 10-hex a kit yeah. that I, I could, brew, like they had no core range. So I could brew whatever I wanted to. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so I basically trained myself on their kit. That's nuts. I mean, you've gone from not having a homebrew kit to scrounging up a homebrew kit to having, you know, the run of a 10 heck kit in the space of, you know, literally sounds like just a few months. So that was a, yeah. that was a great yeah. progression for you, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was within about six, seven months. Mm. Uh, I went from not having a homebrew kit. I only ever brewed seven homebrews. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I, and one of them was on someone else's kit. Right, yeah. And then, so I, I could tinker with, with everything, basically, mm. on the 10 kit. Yeah. And the head brewer that was there at the time, so he was from a cast background. Right. But he had IBD qualifications. Okay. So I kind of bounced off him with different ideas. Yep. I, I got kind of the scientific background from him. Right. And then, like, all the stuff I read online and basically on the back of slow water cans. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Love it. <laughs> yeah. And then I just learned and learned and learned. And then yep. that eventually led to that head brewer he left in August. Mm-hmm. And then I got made head brewer. Yeah. And in March 2019, Big Bruco won the Raise the Bar competition. Mm-hmm. So the We Are Beer competition. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So, so that properly propelled us into like London. Absolutely, yeah. Into everybody's front and centre of everybody's consciousness in the UK oh. craft beer scene then. So that's, yeah. that's a great thing, yeah. So that, that was amazing. Mm. Like we, we went around to all these beer festivals. We got flown over to Antwerp, to the prof where Omnipolo and McKellar is brewed. Yeah. And also getting loads of collabs with like the likes of Brew York. Mm. Uh, we got colla- collabs with Twisted Barrel, Attic, Purity. And then nice. Yeah. The collab with Purity, I met a guy called Ben, mm. uh, Ben Atkinson. Uh, okay. So he was assistant brewer there at the time. Mm. And he just seemed really knowledgeable and really well-educated in scientific background of brewing. Right, yeah. We stayed in touch. Okay. And then from that, I got offered head brewer position Evolution. Mm. So I went to Evolution. I was told that I could uh, hire my own team. Yep. So the first in my mind was like, 
I'm getting that purity going. Go, yeah, go and get Ben. Absolutely. You want to have the best people around you, don't you? In fact, yeah, you want to hire you want to hire people that are better than you are. Is the exactly. golden rule, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So I went from a 10 hex kit to a 25 hex four vessel kit, semi-automatic 25 hex four vessel kit, and they had a full lab as well. Got him on board, and then I learned so much off him. Right. He also says that he learned a lot off me, but my creativity about. Right. Uh, let's do this let's do a bit of that like <laughs> because i got that creativity from being allowed to go full rain on no adult supervision at all you could just crack on as you <laughs> i used to just walk upstairs to the office and go oh yeah i brewed this six and a half percent ipa can you give it a name and get me a pump clip first because <laughs> <laughs> nice. like big bruco was found one thing i love about working big bruco is yeah it was founded by artists mm-hmm. well it was founded by a artist so ollie is graduate of Slade, which is an art school in London. Okay. Uh-huh. If you look at all the stuff that social media posts that they put out huh. and the can design, it, it's it's all a bit off the wall. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's really interesting and kind of draws you into the brand. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, and that, that's something I love in beer, that there are so many different ways to approach branding. Yeah, definitely. Like, that's right. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It gives you a lot of variety. Like, so generally in branding, you want every beer to look like it is your beer. You want people to be able to recognise your brand in the design of the can label, but they don't want to be the same either. It's a subtle, it's a trade-off, isn't it? Yeah, but like you see the way Burden, mm-hmm. some can labels are full length, right. some can labels are short, yeah. some can labels are cut out, mm-hmm. and they all have different designs. Whereas then you go like Daya, it's it's got sketches and stuff. Yes, but it's got like an art style, hasn't it, Daya, which you yeah. wouldn't say the same of. If, you know, if, I think Burden almost is the the exception that proves the rule if you like or you know whatever yeah. the right turn of phrase is you know that their yeah, brand is definitely. so strong that they don't need to have consistent can design but i think most new brewers would want to do that wouldn't they and have yeah. you know have your beer recognizable across the bottle shop you want to say look oh there's you know there, there's a there's a crop beer right there or you know or, or there's a there's a full circle beer or you know whoever the yeah. brewer is and i don't think verdant need to worry about that and good for them but yeah there, there are so many different approaches you mm. can take but it's nice to have some kind of reason and some story behind each design definitely so we've gone off the track of your um of your of your beer journey but that's the beauty of this podcast yeah. is we can go off at tangents and nobody cares let's talk about this first beer don and then come back to yeah. your story um we'll dig some more into to several other different aspects of it but this is interstellar so we should say this is a tap it beer rather than a crop beer yeah. Because when we were putting this the logistics of this together you hadn't actually got any of your new beer in can yet you know i'm very happy that we're drinking this tappet beer because this is superb. And in fact, I pinged you on Instagram when I opened the oh. can of this last week or so to, to remark on how good it was. And I don't often do that with brewers. This is a really good beer. I, I'll read you the tasting notes and let's get into talking about it. It's 5.2% New England IPA. Tasting notes say the beer is all about the harmony between hops, malt, yeast and water. Golden Promise Malt lets the hops sing with the additions of Astra, Citra and Sultana hops, providing citrus, tropical fruits and particularly passion fruit flavours. Vermont yeast rounds off the flavour with tropical stone fruit vibes. And I think this is, for my money, is almost the perfect 5% IPA right now, you know, whether whether that's whether we should call it an IPA or a pale, mm. we can argue about. But this is, I think this has got a beautiful combination of really modern, vibrant East Coast flavours and a lovely bitter backbone to it so this combines the best of the american styles and i think this is just really well executed i love the hop flavors some unusual hop choices in there obviously citra but you know astra and sultana you don't see that much of and you know i think they work really well together so i think this is really an outstanding 5.2 percent ipa what's your thoughts on it i think the one thing that ties this beer together is uh, the yeast. So it's Sanders yeast from okay. a lab in Ireland, WHC lab in Ireland. Okay. Um, the guy is super knowledgeable about yeast. Right. I get all my yeast from him. Yeah. Good. Um, but so you've got Sanders yeast, got Golden Promise Scottish barley. Yep. And then Aster, which is an Australian hop that you don't re- you don't really see a massive amount of. No. It, a little bit spicy, but. It, I've used it maybe about 10, 15% in this. Yeah. So it's just at the end, you get a little bit of spice. Hmm. And in Sultana, it used to be called Denali. Denali, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's a proper tropical, so it ties up with the stone fruit from the yeast. Yes. And then citra, just citra, you can put citra in everywhere. Can't go wrong. Uh, Can't go wrong. Yeah. <laughs> 
No, it, this is really good. And, and obviously, effectively, Tappet is mainly core beer focused, isn't it? I think it's fair to say. We've got two of our own bars right. called the Coop Micro Bar in Hedge End mm-hmm. and the Flying Dutchman, which is in the city centre. Mm-hmm. Okay, nice. Getting back to your beer journey, before I let you continue, what I wanted to say is that you recorded a terrific interview with Nick on the Hot Forward podcast just before Christmas, actually, this year where you got into really great depth about your backstory. And for anybody that's intrigued, I think it's a really good listen. I listened to it today and you got into to much more detail about your experience at Dig. And in particular, although we haven't quite got to it yet, your experience at Evolution which was a net-net of a painful experience. And so I think for the purposes of this audience, let's just talk about that fairly briefly. But I'd really like to refer people to go and listen to the interview that you did with Nick to get the full gory details if you like about evolution because that is a a story worthy of a podcast episode on its own but really what i want to get into with you this evening don is talking about the future and crop Mm. because that's obviously you know really exciting and uh, so yeah give give us 60 second summary on evolution and and if people want more they can go and listen to nick's interview so basically i started in evolution in august 2019 Uh um everything seems to be going right like the beers are getting good ratings bashing out some really nice beers and then in November 2019, the, uh, one of the founders went to prison for fraud and he had convinced um, a private equity guy to back the company. Right. And the private equity guy got touchy feet. Uh. So he told me and the managing director that we had a year to break even and then COVID happened. And this was, yeah, so that was sort of three months prior to COVID. Yeah. And then any chance that you had of meeting that goal disappeared with COVID, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah, like two weeks into COVID, is that no, I'm, I'm packing up and he paid me for for five like in fairness he paid me for five months to like full salary to break okay. everything down and get it get everything sold and just close everything pay off all the creditors get, just get get everything boxed off right and close that chapter of his yeah his i mean very painful experience for you you know and yeah. i guess uh, having listened to the interview with nick i think you mentioned the guy was already into the business for more than a million pounds at that stage so considering the scale of what he'd set up for you you know it's hard to say that that was a bad decision really to, to actually shut it you know to shutter it it was you know considering yeah. how big of a footprint you had there the size of the brewery the tap room everything else yeah. and all the, you know everything that comes with that in terms of overheads it was too big and too young for COVID yeah if COVID, if, if COVID had been in if COVID, like the COVID thing had started in 2021 mm. it would have been okay I think yeah, and it was, in Shro- it was in Shrewsbury, right? Yeah, Shrewsbury. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll have to uh, we'll have to agree to disagree on the pronunciation, but but yeah, painful experience. But I, you know, I'm sure with all these things, we take lessons, don't we, from everything? Hopefully, and you know, and there's some positives that you could probably bring out of that to your future experience. So, um, yeah, of course, Definitely. tap it. Obviously, has been a great place for you over the last. What you've been there nine months or so? I think is that. Yeah, but yeah, about ten months. Yeah. Um, let's get into crop then. So where are you up to with crop? What was the plan? What's the big picture? So basically I went on furlough in November. I, right. was, on fur- I was on furlough until the middle of March. Right. Mm-hmm. And a new brewery got started by my mate in Litchfield mm-hmm. called Trinity. Right. So three mates in, in Litchfield started this brewery called Trinity and they got their kit delivered in February. Mm-hmm. And when they got the kit delivered, I spotted that they, they also ordered a, a 200-liter FE. Okay. <laughs> so they, they ordered a 200-liter conical FE. Right. So I saw the picture on Instagram. I'm like, I could use that. Yeah. Nice size to play around um, with. Yeah. <laughs> and I rang Rob. I was like, oh, just saying you got your kit delivered. I'd be just... Nice little 200 litre FE. Cheeky, cheeky little pilot FE there. Yeah. And I started chatting to him about, like, maybe I could use it to to brew my own beer. Hmm. And I started, th- initially, I started thinking about doing Ershul. Uh-huh. But because it's an Irish word and it, it's a bit difficult to pronounce. and Tricky pronunciation. And it, yeah. yeah. And some people call it Ershul. Which is uh, not, I was, I didn't <laughs> want to say that, but yeah, I was thinking it. Yeah. So, so. Um, so I, I was like, yeah, I'll, maybe I'll think about a new brand. Mm. And one day I was just walking to Sainsbury's and I was like, crop. Most beers are brewed from crops. Yeah. You crop yeast. So 
beer is brewed from hops and malt, which are both props. Yeah. So and I thought it was short and snappy. I like I, it. Yeah, totally. I came back to my girlfriend. I was like, "This is a pretty good name." Good work it? as a brand. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and then I I got talking to the guy who did the evolution branding, a guy yeah. called Tommy Russell. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, "Could you do me up a branding package for this? Like, like give me a price of how much it would cost." Yep. And he told me a price, and I was like. Okay, I have made quite a decent amount of money extra during COVID because of doing consultancy for a few breweries like right. Clay and and, yeah, yeah. So- and Somer, nice in, yeah. in Birmingham and uh, New Invention in Walsall. Okay, terrific. Uh, yeah. Uh, I was like, okay, I'll, I'll take a punt. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll spend this money on branding because I I'm, like from being in the group one and evolution i know how important branding is absolutely absolutely yeah, massive because that's what makes people pick up the beer in the first place yeah they're not going to pick it up in the first place if the branding crap no mm. well they might but they're less likely to they're not they're not much less likely to buy it on spec so you're right it's, yeah. it's, it's an important gateway to attract uh, you know people that aren't familiar with the name yeah yeah, and then then you need to make sure the beer is good. And yeah, that's go that's, the, that's the second part of the bargain, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so then, like the conversation was ongoing with with Robin Trinity. Mm-hmm. With, uh, Tommy was doing my branding package. Then Tommy came back from branding. We had a few tweaks here and there, and then it got to a point where like, I love this. I like but, this. One thing that I was unsure about is like Tommy was telling me that I needed a mascot, mm. and uh, I I was a bit unsure about the mascot. But now I'm, I'm kind of liking this Amarillo. Yeah, I think it's really cute, actually. I'm inclined to agree that I think having that some consistency in your artwork is a good thing. I, I really like, for example, so, so Wonder Beyond, I think, do that really nicely with their little um, cartoon representations oh, the of the place, different yeah. hops. Yeah, and I think that's quite charming. I think this this is sort of the same kind of school of thought there. Yeah. I, I, and they uh, have their alligator. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, when, yeah. When, they're, when their taproom is closed, they have the alligator come up and do an announcement. <laughs> so the arm of the alligator, yeah, I, the arm of the yeah. gets my vote. Um, yeah. Where are you up to with, with actually getting some beers into can? And... So I'm brewing on Sunday the 20th. 4th or 25th, is it? Uh, 27th will be a Sunday. 27th. Or 20th. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, month, so at the end of July, you'll have beer in can. The week commencing the 19th of July is when the beer is dispatched. Brilliant. Okay. Um, Fantastic. So, I've got very few cases left. I've, I've, like, it's almost all sold out. It's all pre sold, yeah. Nice. Yeah. So, I've got, I've got a load of bars around the country. I've got places in Huddersfield, uh, a few places down here, yeah. a few places around the Midlands some places up in Manchester. like a, So I've got a decent spread around the UK of places taking cases. Fantastic. So what, what's the first beer going to be? Uh, the first beer is Loud Noises, which is... Okay, which I'm, so I'm looking, uh, at the, looking at the can uh, artwork on the website now. Yeah, six six one eight percent foggy IPA, which yeah. is an interesting <laughs> name. What's the hops in it? I can't, can't, can't see the back of the can. So it's uh, Citra, Much Week and Galaxy. Oh, lovely. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sold um, already. I love Matuika. I love all three of those hops, to be honest with you. I mm. think that, you know, I couldn't think of a better triumvirate than, than those three. Yeah. And because it, it's a small batch, I can use liquid yeast and not really mm. be out of, well, it doesn't really matter if I'm out of pocket because I'm, I'm doing yeah, this. Yeah, this, this, this is your grand showcase, isn't it? Yeah. This is the big reveal. It's, you know, there's no, you know, obviously I can't, can't afford to lose money on it, at least not too much, yeah. but. Profit is not the objective. It's it's no. creating a great wow factor around yeah. this beer, and everybody's got to love it, haven't they? Yeah. So I'm got, I'm getting saturated yeast from WAC Lab in Ireland. Yep. Again. Mm-hmm. Um, like, so that's their their version of London Fog yeast. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm using Incognito in the Whirlpool. Okay. Yeah. So nice. Citra Incognito in the Whirlpool. Yep. I think that the beauty of the Whirlpool is you can get so much different nuanced flavors. Right out of the hops that you don't get from the boil, right? And you don't you don't get from the from the dry hop. No, because you're controlling the temperature, I guess, to to, yeah. to a much greater extent, aren't you? Or... So, like I like I drop the temperature to seventy eight degrees, mm-hmm. and you get you get a, loads more like stone fruit, passion fruit, yeah. tropical flavors out of the hops without so much of the bitterness, right? Mm-hmm. And the dry hop flavor is a little more volatile, so I think it's a lot clever to layer the flavors. Okay. So, like, I know a lot of brewers that neglect the whirlpool and then wonder why they're 
beer doesn't taste as good. Yeah, why it. why they're not brewing really good contemporary East Coast IPAs or the whirlpool is as important as dry hop. Yeah, because if you if you neglect the whirlpool, mm. the beer is going to be great for a couple of weeks when it's fresh. Okay, but then once dry hop's going to die away, there's no other layer. There's of nothing flavor. there. No. Yeah. yeah. So interesting. Yeah, um, like the Interstellar. I don't know if, like, you know, when it was canned. Let's have a look. It doesn't say it. Doesn't no, it say doesn't say. Well, I'm not sure that's uh, no. <laughs> when do you think it was canned? Oh, goodness me. I mean, you're going to tell me it's it, it's been on the shelf for ages, are you? I mean, it, it certainly tastes like it's canned in the last couple of months, but is that not the case then? Or? It was canned in November. Oh, my goodness. That's nuts. Um, <laughs> I'm very, very impressed with that. I mean, you know, I... I, I that, that, that's, that's why it matters to layer flavours. Yeah. Look, even last week, um, chatting to Aaron from Polly's on this podcast, I said to him then, I, I pride myself being able to tell whether a beer is fresh to within a couple of months or or been mm. sitting around for longer. But I'm going to have to rethink that claim now. I know this is, uh, I'm very impressed that it's possible to preserve flavors at this level for, for yeah. seven months. That's nuts. If you focus on layering the flavors, yeah. then you can, keep, you can keep a beer going for, like, maximum I would give would, would be nine months. Okay. I think things proper drop off a cliff right. after nine months. Okay. Like, but it's, are you telling me that this would have been significantly more vibrant in December then? Would you have been able to taste a significant difference, you know, when it was when it genuinely was fresh to six or eight weeks? Or um, It was more aromatic. Okay. So the thing with, like, high spears is that they're very ar- aromatic mm-hmm. because, because of the level of dry up. Yeah. But... Yeah, the, the aromas die off to an extent. Well, you know, and I guess to some extent, these the, the top guys, and we know, you know, who they are. These the, the, the top hype UK breweries don't need beer to last six months. They've you know never had a beer that's lasted six weeks. No mind about six months. So, so I, I guess it's not part of the thought process. Almost is it for them to to worry about what it's going to be like six months after canning? It should, yeah. probably should be, but I guess they don't need to. Just don't need to think about it. Yeah, true. Like tapas. This is the first beer we ever put into cans. Okay. And we like we did it in November just as we went into lockdown. Yeah. Like, obviously, obviously because we needed something to sell. Yeah, uh, sure. So this um, was the this was the batch before you you were furloughed, basically. Yeah, these were two, oh. the two batches before it was a, a before I was furloughed, yeah. Yeah. Wow. So back to crop. So loud noises gonna be available in, in a month from now. What's next? Uh, so the next beer I want to do is uh, apricot and mango star. Okay, nice. Um, so apricot mango goza. Like yeah. the thing that I I think I I nailed in Big Bruco was the sours. Okay, brilliant. Like, yeah, we did so many good sours, like especially California. Right. California is what is basically what won us that we are beer competition. Right. Nice. Yeah. Uh, we did like raspberry sour. We did we did a mad one with Brewer. We did a sure. collab with. Bre- Call up with Brew York in 2019. Mm-hmm. And it was apricot, mango, tonka bean, sour IPA. <laughs> God. <laughs> it also had lactose in it. Oh, uh, my goodness. So it was Amarillo Azaka Citra. Yeah. Uh, it had a tonka bean, tonka bean tincture in it. <laughs> it. It had, like, in a thousand litres, it had 250 kilos of fruit in it. It was a bonkers thing altogether. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it got very mixed reviews. Did it? Yeah. <laughs> Tonka beans a weird one. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I've honestly never had it in an in an IPA sour or otherwise. I've I've had it plenty of stouts. It's hard to picture in an IPA, honestly. Yeah, it's it's a bit it's a bit like aftershave. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're not selling it to me, Don. That's. <laughs> I'm glad I missed that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think I'll be using. No, it's not going to be a rebrew anytime soon, is that? It's, uh, no, it's not. It's not so. on Lee's brew schedule. No, <laughs> no I don't think so. I, I, I think Lee and Wayne have shoved that. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> so apricot mango sour. Um, what you know? You, so when when's that going to be brewed? Is that going to go straight into tank after uh, after the loud noises comes out? Or no, like basically, I'm. They obviously bought two hundred liter tank for themselves. Right. So, so they want to use it themselves, you say? Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so every six to eight weeks, I'm going to do a release and crop. Okay, right. Yep. So mm-hmm. every, every six to eight weeks for 
six to nine months. Right. And then I'm hoping to scale up to a bigger batch, like right. 20 or 30 head batch, okay. similar to what, what Flock has done. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah makes perfect um, sense. You know, and look, you've got the friends in the industry that you'll be able yeah. to get access to the bigger kit somewhere yeah. when you're ready for it. So I don't think that's going to be a problem, is it? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Uh, great. So you're not moving on from Tap It anytime soon. That, that's going to be your, no. your, day, your day job for, for yeah, a significant <laughs> period of time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So basically, at the moment, we've got two fermenters mm-hmm. um, and two conditioning tanks. Um, and hopefully in the next few months, we're getting in three more fermenters. Okay. So we're, we're 13 hex brewkit. Yep. Um, but like it, it's been going since 2016. Right. And it's, it, I think it just opened a, a couple of months after Unity. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not really got going in any meaningful way. No. So you look, you're looking to broaden the style palette a, a bit at tap it as well because it, it's sort of strictly yeah. six six core beers i think is, is what you do is that right yeah yeah so at the moment we've, we've got we've got judas lager we've got Maca, which is the stout we're going to try next yep we've got interstellar we've got swifty which is a session ipa mm-hmm. and then we've got dialing in which is a new england pale 4.8 percent right. we've got rogue which is american pale and there's a new one coming out uh in about two weeks Okay. Called, Nip, called Nipper, which is mm-hmm. a, a 5.6% New England. Okay. Mm-hmm. At the moment, I'm quite limited on the, how high I can go on ABV because my mashing is absolutely yeah. tiny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I have a mashing on my wish list on, okay. on, <laughs> <laughs> on, on, on the owner's desk. Well, if you don't ask, you're never going to get, are you? So there's yeah. no harm in that. Yeah. <laughs> um, hopefully, we're, we're, get it, we're getting a bigger mash done so we can do higher AV beers. Terrific. Uh, well, we're I getting look... a, a new HLT okay. uh, and three more FEs. Um, okay. And I've also got Colabs planned up as well. Right. So, uh, you know, Leviathan in Southern Coldfield? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I've got Colabs coming up with him next month. Nice. Uh, the month after, I've got a collab with Twisted Barrel and Coventry. Okay, yep. Then in September, I've got a collab with Top Rope in Liverpool. Okay, yeah, great. Mm-hmm. And then uh, in October, I've got a collab with Alpha Delta. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So the, the last two, both uh, both friends of This Week in Craft here. So uh, very yeah. good. Yeah, some, some good yeah, names there. Brilliant. You spend a lot of time talking about wrestling. With the, with yeah, you. yeah, with Neil. You can't get away from it, can you? But he's, uh, yeah. <laughs> He was, on, he was on my Zoom pub during lockdown. Hey, was he? Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Hey, I tell you what, uh, Don, let's take a short break. This Week in Craft Beer is sponsored by Them That Can, the premier mobile canning service in the UK. Them That Can deliver the machinery, labour, materials, and most importantly, the expertise to achieve a professionally canned product that keeps their clients happy. For more information about how you can get started with their amazing services, please visit www.themthatcan.com. So I'm back with Donica Burke for the second half of the show. Don, let's get straight into it by letting you answer what is often quite a tricky question for people, which is, what makes you different? I'm interested particularly in you, but also tap it and crop. So if you could give me an answer that spans both yourself and both those two businesses that would be perfect so let, let's start with tapas i think what makes tapa different is we have a quite a hefty range of cores like right. six six cores yep and they know the specials with the cores we can constantly update and constantly innovate and bring different nuances into the cores as we progress and on that journey right with, with, with each different beer brand Makes sense, yeah. Um, so it's, it's almost like you've got a set of core brands rather than specific beers or recipes then, and you're evolving each of them yeah. as, you know, brew by brew, I guess, yeah. Nice. Yes, each core beer has, has evolved over the past number of years mm-hmm. and will continue evolving. And the minute it stands still would be the minute that it's no longer a core beer. Okay. Yeah. Um, whereas what makes crop different is it's a brewer focused brewery obviously a lot focused on me but <laughs> i think branding is key 
and I like to put out like different nuances of messages through the artwork, but it's still abstract. So yeah, there might be a hidden meaning, which is only known to me. <laughs> but you can look at, different people can look at the artwork and they can get a different meaning okay. from what is being said. Right. So like loud noises to me means that I'm brewing a small batch of beer. I'm just one guy. I've only got 200 liters. Yep. I'm trying to be loud with my brandy. <laughs> And you're sitting in a little sailboat in some choppy waves and there's lightning. Is that in the sky? I'm just looking at yeah. the can label here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so to someone else, they might grab another meaning out of that picture. Yeah. So I'm, at, I'm just looking at this a bit. So what is he? Is he shouting through like a He's megaphone shouting... that, that's shooting flames out of it? Or is that? Yeah. 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 That's why. He, yeah. He's shouting through a megaphone, which is shooting flames out of it. Wow. And he's sitting and he in a sailboat on the on in the, the, on, in yeah. the sea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I must say, it, I must say, you're nuts. First of all, but also, secondly, <laughs> um, I'm much more interested in the beer than the beer names, and, and that doesn't just apply to you; it applies mm. to uh, to the industry in general. And what I am quite sure about is your beers are going to continue to be absolutely top class. So, yes. talk to me about what's different about you from a, as a brewer. As a brewer, I, th- I think I think a lot of brewers from a scientific background mm-hmm. so screwing is a very touchy-feely profession yeah so it's a lot like being a chef you need to touch and know and know what each how each ingredient is going to interact with each other yeah whereas i think a lot of brewers that come from the scientific background like the like say they've got ibds or whatever some of that knowledge is useful a lot of it is is completely irrelevant right and the burden of knowledge that makes it completely irrelevant holds back constrains your potential yeah i totally agree i totally agree yeah i've seen a lot of brewers that everything is in a box Mm. oh this box and this box and this box that doesn't go into that box like so they're conforming to rules yeah but the thing is brewing hasn't come from rules no that's the major thing that i want to find it like i want to that I've written on the web, website of crop that I want to make different is like I, I've read a lot like these books on Nordic brewing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, people have been brewing the same way for thousands of years. Mm. They don't know what they're doing; they just know that it works. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, do, just, they, just just word of mouth techniques. You know, this you do this, yeah. and then you do that, and then you do this, and it's yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they didn't like. Thousand years ago, they didn't have thermometers. Mm. They didn't even know. They didn't even know what yeast was. No, brewing has only become sterile in the past hundred and seventy years. Let's say. Right. Mm-hmm. So before that, brewing wasn't a sterile thing. Like you, no. you, you heard about the London beer flood. The London beer flood. The the beer. There was seven thousand two hundred liters of beer. Yeah, porter wasn't it? And people, yeah. a number of people drowned, didn't they? Yeah, eight people yeah. drowned, but, but yeah. it was in a wooden fermenter. Yeah. Can you tell me how, how you would clean a wooden fermenter? No, you can't, can you? No. Yeah, you, you can't clean mm. wood. No. So, like, brewing has only been sterile for 150, 170 years. Mm-hmm. And, and because it's sterile now, the yeast has lost its natural antibodies. Ah, resistance to infection, yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's mm. the same as us getting COVID. Yeah, and getting the flu and whatever. That's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. So, so like, if you look at fight yeast as an example, right? Yeah, fight yeast. They used to dry it into a necklace shape <laughs> on a piece of rope. Yeah, put it up in the rafter. Uh, pigeons use shit in it, <laughs> uh, and then they'd brew up some work, mm. and then they'd dust the pigeon, pigeon shit off and throw the necklace into the beer. And like that's why. Like, <laughs> uh, that's why quite yeast is so hardy because they, yeah. they've only they've only just started to isolate it. Hmm. But let's say if if we go fifty years in the future, quite yeast is going to be as irresistant to yeah. It, it, they've got as lazy and as and as vulnerable as 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 other regular brewing strains. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a lot to say about the scientific part of brewing is kind of holding back brewing in in a certain way. Yeah. yeah, 
we know a lot more about yeast and a lot, a lot more about yeast strains. But it's the same as like if if you like I grew up on a farm, right? Uh, uh, so I've never been I've never really been sick in my life. No. And that, like, <laughs> whereas you get someone that grows up in a city or surrounded by smog, yeah, they get colds and stuff a lot more than someone who grows up in the farm because sure. there's a lot more antibodies in the air in the farm, and you yeah. build the strong. You just build a stronger immune system. Just as a child, you, yeah, it's just yeah. that's the time when your immune system is developing, isn't it? You need to be yeah. exposed to all the. I know it's completely off brewing. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. Well, as I said, I said earlier on, I, it's, the fun about these conversations is it, yeah. it goes in completely unpredictable directions. Let me bring it back to talk yeah. about Mad Cow. Since we were just talking about the yeah. farm, seems like there could be a bit of a segue <laughs> there. This is a, your 4.5% milk stout. Obviously, another tappet beer, um, as we yeah. said earlier. And the tasting notes I have for this say immensely smooth and subtly sweet with a combination of 10 different malted and unmalted grains, giving it a complex chocolate and toasty profile. And this is exactly as described, really nice, easy drinking milk stout, uh, chocolatey. Yeah, good, good, yeah. good flavor profile. I'm enjoying no, I'm, it. I'm well happy with it. The one thing I wanted to talk to you about, actually, um, thinking about this this afternoon is what's the market for milk stouts like? Because it seems like it's a beer style that I would struggle to tell you who the target demographic is for. It's a very strange one. When I came to tap at first mm. and they were like, oh, this milk stout, like Mad Cow, is their biggest mm -hmm. seller. Yeah. I was like, you're, you're on cloud cuckoo land. Yeah. <laughs> like... Personally, I, I'd, I'd never, like, I'd never brewed a milk stout that wasn't some sort of pastry stout. Right, and this is my point, you know, so, yeah. so I, I totally get there's a massive market for really big, flavour-deep imperial stouts of all descriptions these days. Mm. You know, it's, it's arguably the sexiest part of the whole craft beer scene at the moment, isn't it? That, you know, people are going mm. nuts for those beers. And, you know, I love them as well. Like, you know, got this whole sort of stout Sunday thing and all of the, the craft beer nerds are, are all going crazy for, for all of these massive adjuncted imperial stouts. In fact, a night in the tap room isn't complete unless you've got, it's almost like a nightcap for me that, you know, whatever's the, the biggest stout on the menu, yeah, we'll save that one mm. till last. Set, send me home with a smile on my face kind of thing. Yeah, nice, so, nice, nice turn to finish off the month. Yeah, exactly. I, so I totally, get, I totally get that end of the market. And I also get the... Just a clean, easy drinking Irish stout, for want of a better descriptor, that is kind of like a Guinness competitor, yeah. if you like, you know. And, and so I, I completely understand why people would want to have a 5% clean stout, if you want to call it that, on your menu. But I don't really know who drinks 4.5% milk stouts. Um, but perhaps, I, you know. <laughs> I, I don't, personally, I don't know either, but it, it is their. Yeah. It is, it is the biggest selling beer on Ebria for us. Mm -hmm. So we open back up pretty much like in mid mid march yeah we have sold more of this mag cow in cake than we have sold anything else yeah wow well i mean good i mean exactly if, yeah. if there's a market for it then then crack on and by no means the only brewery that's got a beer like this in their core range a lot of people do have it just it's just a bit of a mystery to me. I mean, you know, so, so I, I mean, I don't mean any disrespect for this beer because it's a really, you know, it's a really nicely brewed example and I'm enjoying it. But I couldn't imagine, you know, if I'm putting an order together on a web shop, I wouldn't be picking this to put in my, you know, to, to put in my mixed case or whatever, or, you yeah. know, and, I, and if I was in the pub, I probably wouldn't be ordering it either. But I guess I can't judge everybody by my standards. It's uh, yeah. just another data point for you is my, so my granddad who died in the mid 80s, his drink was Mackeson which was, that was the milk stout brand of the, I guess, the 50s, 60s, 70s or whatever, you know, that, that, that was available in every pub in a bottle, was in the fridge with the Guinnesses or whatever. And so perhaps it actually probably might not have been in the fridge in those days, probably just on the bloody shelf. But, you know, you could have a bottle of Mackerson and that was a well-recognized branded milk stout that almost every pub had. But I'm just not sure who drinks milk stouts these days. I don't know. It's a, it's a mystery. If we... But yeah, I don't know who drinks them, but someone does. I guess it's very shelf-stable as well. I mean, you know, we were yeah. talking earlier yeah, on yeah. about how shelf-stable your, your IPA is, but I bet mm. this would be this would last for several years, I guess, in can, wouldn't it, without any trouble yeah. at all? So, uh, Yeah, they just get better with age rather than... Yeah, worse. yeah, well, certainly, you know, that, that that's certainly the case in, with, with mm. barrel-aged stouts, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Talk to me about your journey from, a, from an influence perspective. I left Ireland when I was 18. Okay. Mm -hmm. But when I was in Ireland, the, the only one that I can think of that was, well, it's actually two. 
that were like a major force were Galway Hooker. Right. I don't know if you've have you heard of that? So is that Galway Bay Brewery? No, or? no, no. That's there, the so Galway Hooker is a different one. Okay. No, then I haven't. Yeah. No. Yeah. And eight degrees. Okay. So yeah, you mentioned eight degrees. So I've heard of them. Yeah. yeah. And then every time I went back to Ireland, mm-hmm. so I, I lived in England until 2010. Yeah. Every time I went back, there was a few more popping up. Right. And then when I finished uni, I, I went back to Ireland, but I went back to Clarny. Right. Yeah. And in Clarny at the time, you had Clarny Brewing Company mm-hmm. and you had Torque Brewing Company. Okay. And those were both starting out at the time and bringing new beers into Ireland that weren't just like Guinness and Heineken. Nice. And they were pretty free with information, like if you like Torque Brewing uh, place, it didn't have a tap room. Like you're not allowed tap rooms in Ireland. No, no, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So you, you spoke to Barry from Old Brother. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like the licensing laws in Ireland are bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> the problem in Ireland is the pubs have, the Vintners Federation of Ireland is like an organisation of publicans. Yeah, like a union, and, isn't it, or whatever, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they have a massive lobbying power on the government. Hmm. And they keep lobbying to make it more difficult for supermarkets and bottle shops. You either have a pub or you have a bottle shop. There is no in-between. A bottle shop in Ireland, you cannot drink in. No. It's just an off-license with a nice selection of beer. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, and that, you know, and that was the case in England and still until sort of 15 years ago, wasn't it, or so. But some of the most interesting places to drink craft beer in the UK now are actually bottle shops that have got a yeah. couple of taps and a few chairs, you know, and the owners are usually super knowledgeable, aren't they? So these places are really cool now. And, you know, and that's such a shame that that isn't permitted in Ireland. Yeah. So you were in Germany. What was cropping up there in terms of interesting? So uh, there was a brewery called Crew Republic that was popping up at a few places. Like the, there was a bottle shop in the north end of Frankfurt they used to go to. And they used to have stuff from Crew Republic. Right. And a few places in Berlin used to send over beers. Yeah. And then, then that Browsville place. But it was a very small market of craft beers going around. And then obviously in, in the Reva, which is like Tesco's, they had some Brewdog in there as well. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So Buddha was an early influencer. I flew over to uh, visit Leicester in 2013, visit in Leicester, and I, I remember tasting a dead pony. Right. And I remember being blown away. Like, mm. I don't think I'd be blown away by a dead pony right now, but like... No. Uh, <laughs> well, it just depends on your frame of reference, doesn't it? At the time, it was it was yeah. revolutionary, yeah. But I remember going into this bar for a Sunday lunch with my, with my mate in Leicester, um and going up to the bar and seeing this brew dog tap i said oh that, that looks fancy tap can i get a pint of that and they're like oh we only do it in two thirds mm. uh, oh, that's a bit weird uh <laughs> so i had two thirds of dead pony yep and i remember thinking this is really aromatic and and like really in your face yeah i think that was a very pivotal moment when i'm back to germany i started consuming a bit more craft beers and looking into more breweries and right. more more techniques and uh, like researching online a bit more as well. Yeah. And what about English in, influences? So in 2015, when I came over to the UK and I found Telt in Birmingham, mm-hmm. and I, I went in and made friends with Rich, the guy that owns us, mm-hmm. who I later ended up living with, cool. um, and who took me down to the group go. Okay. So early on in 2016, it was like, oh, you're going to love this. What was it? He's like, oh, it's uh, it's six pound a bottle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Must have been a clear water. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, trust me, you're going to yeah, love it. It's worth every penny. And it's like version three of, oh, the, wow, of the, the Dipper. The Dipper, yeah, yeah. Legendary. I, I Like when I tasted that, I was like, whoa, I haven't tasted anything else like that. No. Like when I brought it back out, it wasn't as good. But like, no. um, well, your taste was don't like you. You don't have taste memory as much. I don't think so either. I get cross yeah. with people who claim to be able to. Well, I'll tell you something that really makes you cross is when you hear people saying, "Oh, this beer's not the same as it was three years ago when I had it," and I totally refute anybody's ability to remember what a particular beer tasted like three years ago and compare it to today. Particularly considering that that person in question is probably drunk a thousand beers or two thousand beers since then you know it's yeah. how can anybody possibly say i mean maybe the brewer uh 
perhaps has sufficiently refined palate and sufficient familiarity yeah. to be able to taste yeah. differences, but not a man in the street. I'm not having it. Yeah, so if you're tasting the beer every day, you mm. can taste it long as journey. Yeah, or totally. Yeah, I get that. Um, yeah. But if you're drinking, I don't know, X amount of beers a week. <laughs> Three X in my case, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like from different breweries and like... Mm with different hops or whatever, your tongue is just going to get shot. Like, you're not, you're not... Let's take, for instance, like, Sonoma. Yep. Uh, Sonoma is a beautiful beer. Oh, great beer, uh, absolutely. Yeah. But if, you, if you've been drinking Dippers all the way, hmm. and you go to Sonoma, it's not going to taste the same... Well, as... it's, got to be the fir- it's got to be the first beer of the day, anyway, that's for sure. I, I hope that, you know, brushing my teeth and a few coffees in the morning and my lunches clear my palate off sufficiently that we know when I get to five o'clock and have a Sonoma can appreciate it in all its glory, but it's no good mm. drinking a Sonoma after you've had four or five other IPAs or four or five anythings. It's, uh, it's got to be the first, it's got to be the first beer of the day. Yeah. But even on your beer journey, if you're just getting into craft beer and you start drinking Sonoma and then you graduate onto Polly's triple IPAs mm. or Verdant's double IPAs or what like higher level beers. Yeah. And then you go back to Sonoma and you go, oh, it's, it's not as good as it is. You know, it's a classic 3.8%. It is as good as a 3.8% beer can be, I think. Um, yeah, it's, like Sonoma's a beautiful beer. Don, let's talk about Tappet first of all. Where mm. can people get their hands on your Tappet beers? Uh, so we've got our own bar called Coop Microbar in Hedgend. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're always on there. And Flying Dutchman in Southampton City Centre is always on there. Okay, and, and they always have all six on draft, were they? Or the one in Hedge End always has all six on draft. Right, okay. and then the, the Flying Dutchman as a rotation. Right, okay, like nice. four maybe. Right, um, and then we like at the moment we're selling throughout the country. Like the Arcade in Cannock has a song quite a lot. Like right. Candid Candid Beer in Stafford, mm-hmm. um, Top and Can, and House of Grain in Shrewsbury. Okay. A lot of places up in the Midlands. <laughs> because that's where I've come down here from. Sure, that's yeah, that's where your network is. That's fine. Yeah, so. <laughs> so that's on keg, and, and it, as far as cans are concerned, you can get cans pretty widely across the UK. Uh, tap it, yeah. So, so cans, if you go on tapitbrew.co.uk, yep. Um, and use I'm naive and vegan 20, you get 20% off. <laughs> you can have to say that again. I'm not even vegan 20. I'm not even vegan 20. All right, that's a pretty, uh, that's a pretty <laughs> obscure <laughs> discount code. But um, yeah, we'll, uh, if, if anybody can actually remember that and, uh, and type it in, then good luck to them. But, uh... <laughs> uh, so at the moment, we've got a 15% discount on all kegs and can cases on Ebria. Oh, nice. Uh, for, this for, is for Tappet, yeah. Yeah, for Tappet, uh, for, for any bars to order. Excellent. All right, well, that's, that's, that's a nice deal. So hopefully people take advantage of that. Nice. So let's talk about crop. So a month from now, there's going to be crop beer in can. Where are yeah. people going to be able to get that from? So that's going to be in all the craft inns in the Midlands. Right. Yeah. So that's right across Bowen. On the, yeah. on keg as well, or just can? Uh, just it's just can at the moment. Right. So none of that's going. That that first batch not going into keg. Obviously, as I say, it's, no, it's, it's, it's so a small it's, run anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So the small, all the small runs are just going can at the moment. Fine. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then. So Indie Craft Beer in London, right. uh, Hopperly, uh, Candid Beer, Tap and Can, O'Brien's Bottle Shop in Huddersfield, mm-hmm. Four Ale in Gosport. Nice, yeah. Right, so there's a few places ar- ar- around that, that have it. Cool, okay. Um, oh, Liquor Man as well, but he's, he's a wholesaler. Right, okay. Yeah. All right, well, that's a, that's a, that's a decent, decent spread of places. And obviously, yeah. you know, once you start getting your hands on some, some bigger kit to start putting some bigger batches out then hopefully we'll start to see it in keg as well yeah it'll be more yeah it'll be more further afield the first keg is going to go to tap and can in shrewsbury okay nice that sounds good um so let's get into what i like to call the shout out to the little guy and here i'm asking you to name one or more local uk beer businesses and this can be another brewery uh, a tap room a pub a bottle shop perhaps even a restaurant or a cafe just a local business that is doing a great job promoting independent UK craft beer. Um, there's, a, there's a little craft beer bar in Parkgate in Southampton called The Gate. Okay. They've been really promoted, like uh, supportive of Tappet. Nice. And uh, 
Like every time I go in, it's like doing a mini tap takeover. So, uh, oh, this, this guy wants to meet you and have a chat. Oh, nice. Yeah, you got to uh, go and work the room a bit. Yeah. Yeah, basically. <laughs> so every time I'm delivering kegs, I, I, I have to, like I'm, I'm going in having a chat with all these customers. Who, yeah, who nice. are pro- like proper in, into into the beer, into the into the brewery. Nice. Like, I mean, you've you've always got time for those sort of conversations, yeah, haven't you? Yeah, That's great. definitely. Yeah, yeah. brilliant. Right. So they really really support the bar, really support the customers, and the owner proper promotes promotes our beer as well. Excellent. All right. Well, that's really good. It's, I don't know if you have you got another one you want to mention, or we just just stick with that one. Um, four ale and Gosport as well. Yep. Like he he gets in loads of local beers, like so ma- mainly lo- local stuff. Really promotes us. Yeah. Uh, like tapas, like he has Unity in as well, and uh, Little Monsters, which is a uh, yeah, yeah, I, um, I know. I had Brendan on the podcast. Yeah, good, good guy. Yeah, great beers. Excellent. Well, that's good. So I'll, I'll I'll put links to both those businesses in the show notes of the podcast, so people can click through and hopefully bring them some business next time they're down on the south coast. Excellent, Don. So it gets to the wrap up question, and here I'd like you to tell me what would be your ultimate happy hour. I need to know where you would be, who would you be with, and what you would be drinking. And there's two caveats to that the first is this is non-covid restricted so you don't have to worry about social distancing or anything like that and it doesn't have to be coherent by which i mean the bar doesn't need to be typically selling the beer that you want to be drinking so you could be on a desert island drinking a pint of timothy taylor's landlord for example although i wouldn't recommend that but you know it's up to you (laughs) it's your choice (laughs) so i like being a pub called tig brick Okay. Which is about 20 minutes past Dingle on the west coast of Ireland. All right. Nice. Yeah. Um, it's got a brewery in it. Okay. And it, it, <laughs> it was one of the first craft breweries in Ireland. Okay. And I'd like to be drinking Corrig Dove there south. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Um, the reason why I chose that is because it's a proper place where you can just chill and like take in the surroundings. Yeah. Uh, it's the most uh, westerly point in Europe. Is that right? Nice. Yeah. Okay, that's very cool. Um, so the English for it is the West Kerry Brewery. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Uh, sorry, uh, Corked- Bjork Corkadonia is the actual name for the brewery, which is okay. Irish. It's been going since 2014, I think. Okay, so relatively um, recently, yeah. Nice. And it's, it's female, female run as well. Okay. Yeah, so, so it's quite progressive. Terrific. Um, considering it's in part of Ireland, it doesn't even speak English. No. But what sort of beer styles would they brew apart from stout? Uh, so they, she did a podcast a few weeks ago, or a few months ago, sorry. And she was saying that she doesn't like to conform to beer styles. Okay. Uh, so they, they just put out like, this is a hoppy golden colored ale. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. But the, their beers are always like really well made and really okay. flavorful. Nice. Okay. She, she's, uh, the, I can't think of what the owner's name is, but she's from like a culinary background. Okay. And you can tell that in the beers. They have yeah. Im- immense flavor. Attention to detail and, and, yeah. and really good flavor combinations. Yeah. yeah. Brilliant. All right. Well, I'm happy yeah. with that. I, you just need to tell me who you'd be drinking there with, uh, Don. Um, John Kimmock. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the founder of The Alchemist. Okay. Nice. Well, that's a good <laughs> shout. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen the, um, I'm sure you have seen the Craft Beer Channel tour of New England where they yeah, yeah. basically really geeked out with him, didn't they, for a while? And then they were yeah, massively that, that impressed was amazing. with him. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So he's, he's, a, he's a guy I'd like to sit down with as well. Definitely. Uh, he'd be a great, great guy to pick the brains of. Mm, absolutely. Perfect. Then, Don, absolute <laughs> pleasure talking to you. you um, really enjoyed your beers and very much looking forward to getting down to, to having a, a few more tappet beers on the south coast but also seeing what comes of crop i'm quite sure that those beers are going to be incredible and if i'm lucky enough to get my hands on them i will uh, look forward to that as well so uh, yeah thanks so much for your time cheers thank you very much Commencing in July 2021, This Week in Craft Beer will be running meticulously curated long weekend tours to the world's most exciting craft beer cities in partnership with some of the UK's leading craft breweries. Destinations for 2021 will include Copenhagen, New England, Brooklyn and Miami. 
if you fancy joining a small tour party led by a leading UK craft brewer as we experience a packed long weekend of meet the brewer and tutor tastings at some of the leading craft breweries on the planet, please pay close attention to our newsletter and website as we make new announcements each week throughout April and May.